Will Israel's war with Hamas spin out of control? Could Israel find itself in the eye of a far more cataclysmic conflict? Could the U.S. be dragged into this horrendous quagmire, possibly along with other powers? And are we on the verge of World War III? It's on the mind of everyone right now. What will the world look like after World War III? Well, we'll analyze these questions and others on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. Now, the Jerusalem Post has reported that Hamas officials in Ghazi Hamad told the Lebanese news outlet LBCI News this week that Israel is a country that has no place on our land. This is the mindset of Hamas. And that we must remove that country. We must teach Israel a lesson, and we will do this again and again. The Al-Aqsa Mosque flood is just the first time. Now, he's talking about October 7th here. You understand the massacre that happened. He said, and there will be a second and a third and a fourth time, because we have the determination to fight. So this Hamas official, Ghazi Ahmad, he says, we will repeat the October 7 attack that time and time and again until Israel is annihilated. We are the victims. Everything we do is justified. That's the mindset of what's going on in Hamas right now. Now, if you understand the program that I went through yesterday, I understand, I explained to you what was really going in, on in the mind of Iran and why they want to annihilate Israel and the United States preparing the way for their coming Mahdi or the 12th Imam. It's a religious thing with them, and they are willing to kill and slaughter people, and they want to annihilate Israel. People are talking, the Hamas is talking about it in the news. What a horrific situation. We're going to get deep into this and answer some questions about the different wars that are prophesied coming up. Which ones are they? And answer the question, what will the world look like after World War III? Will Islam rule the world? First, I want to talk to you about First Cup Coffee. We've got to talk to you about our sponsors here really quick. And, you know, as you can imagine, we're working around the clock to keep up with this war and everything that's going on in Israel. And we certainly want to be energized and motivated by our God-given purpose, right? Well, we're doing a lot of that with First Cup Coffee. First Cup Coffee isn't woke, and they haven't tried to rewrite our history, or they lobbied to fund our military. They don't support LGBTQ causes. You're not going to see a rainbows on the first cup coffee, coffee cups. Um, they're a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of the great state of Texas. They've got 11 different roasts. Each one is named after a specific piece of American history. So go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll actually give you another 10% off. Go to firstcup.com, Use code ENDTIME to get your 10% off today. Now, when we're talking about 
these different wars and things, there are, there are all kinds of news articles of people coming out saying, this is, this is Psalm 83, this is Ezekiel 38, this is the Battle of Armageddon, this is the war to end all wars. Well, I wanted to go to the scriptures and make sure you understand which war is which and which ones are we not going to see. Because I want to make sure that you understand the timeline as we go along, through, especially between now and the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's of utmost importance. The first question that I wanted to answer, somebody asked, could the current Israel-Hamas war be Psalm 83? Well, I don't believe so. There is a book written about Psalm 83, and we've, I've read through the, the, the passage of Psalm 83 over and over again. There are a couple of clues in this passage that show that it, it's, it is prophesying a war, and if it is prophesying a future war, I say if, it's probably prophesying the Battle of Armageddon, but I'm not sold on the fact that it's a future war. The reason why I believe that, that it could be the Battle of Armageddon is because of verse 16 of Psalm 83 and the last two verses of the chapter remind me of Zechariah chapter 14, 9. Let's look at it. Psalm chapter 38, or I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 83, 16 through 18 says this, Lord, fill their faces that they may seek thy name. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. If you go to Zechariah 14, 9, which is the battle of Armageddon, it says, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Now, even though I don't necessarily think it's talking about any certain war to come, if it is speaking, and I say if, if it is speaking of a future war, it looks to be the Battle of Armageddon. Again, I'm not sold on that. The Psalm 83 prophecy tends to be a little obscure. The guy who wrote the book, Psalm 83 War, is a big believer that the 83rd Psalm foretells a war with Israel and the Arabs and that Israel will win that war and greatly expand their territory prior to everything else in the end time. Well, I personally don't see how that could happen once you understand the prophecies of the Bible, because the Bible prophecies teach that Israel is getting ready to lose territory. They're going to trade land for peace and sign a two-state two solution, which is giving up their area of Judea, which is the West Bank. So I don't see how the narrative in the book could be what plays out in the future of Israel. That's why I don't necessarily believe that... Um, the Psalm, 30, Psalm 83 war could be a future war. If it is, possibly, it could be the Battle of Armageddon. This current war we're in right now with Israel and Hamas, potentially Iran bringing in other um, nations of the world, it is not the Psalm 83 war. Another question I had is, is this the war of Ezekiel 38? The answer to that is a resounding no. Ezekiel 38 and 39 is the same thing as the Battle of Armageddon, which takes place immediately after the Great Tribulation. Another question, is this war, though is this the war of Zechariah 12 through 14? The answer to that is no. Zechariah 12 through 14, again, is the Battle of Armageddon, which takes place immediately after the Great Tribulation. 
Another question. Is this war on, is this, is this the final war on earth when God's wrath is poured out in Revelation 16 and 19? The answer to that is no. Revelation 16 and 19, is, again, is the battle of Armageddon, which takes place immediately after the Great Tribulation. Say, so how do you know that? Because the very first vial, the, in the seven vials of the wrath of God are poured out in Revelation 16. The very first vial of the wrath of God is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation. So the vows of the wrath of God cannot begin, begin till immediately after the, the great tribulation, and that's when the seven vows of the wrath of God are poured out. So Ezekiel 38 and 39, Zechariah 12 through 14, and Revelation um, 16 and 19 are all the battle of Armageddon. Another question, is this current Israel-Hamas conflict is that war the sixth trumpet war in Revelation 9, 13 through 21? Okay, a different answer here. It certainly could be. At this point, I do not know. We are going to have to wait and see how it escalates, like many other prophecies. When you look at them, sometimes you have to live through at least some of the prophecy before you can say, yes, is, this is the one. Uh, consider the Chernobyl nuclear accident, April 26, 1986. It would have been impossible to interpret that prophecy as the third trumpet until the event occurred. However, what, now that we look back on April 26, 1986, and all everything, the effects of that nuclear explosion, then we can say, okay, with confidence, I know that the third trumpet where John said, I, I saw a star fall from heaven by the name of Wormwood. So in a Ukrainian Bible, that would have been Chernobyl. Well, then he says, okay, I can look, then we can say, okay, I look back with confidence and say that was in fact a Chernobyl nuclear accident. Up until that point, I couldn't. So we're looking at this Iran, uh, this um, Hamas-Israel situation, and it is a dire situation. It's horrific what's happened. However, could this lead to a global war? It certainly could, and I'll, I'm going to talk about here in, that here in just a moment. However, at this point, I don't know if this specific conflict will. It has all of the earmarks of it, but we need to see how it all plays out. I don't want the Third World War to happen. I don't want Revelation 913 uh, 9, through 21 to happen. However, it's prophesied in the Bible, and the prophecies always come to pass, folks. There's not one-tenth of one percent chance that this won't happen. So, the Bible says it's going to happen. Is this current conflict the one that will lead to that? I, at this point, I simply do not know. It could, but we'll have, to, we'll have to see how it escalates to see if this certainly is the one. So I'm going to get into an article by Mor Michael Oren here in just a moment, but let me mention first goal real quick. I was talking to some people, uh, some visitors that we have here in the studio just prior to uh, starting the program today. And I was talking about them about diversifying uh, their portfolios and some different things, maybe talking about some hard assets. But you understand that there are world-governing globalists, world government enthusiasts, that are looking to impose digital currencies and digital IDs all across the world. They're testing and doing everything, seeing if it works across borders in different nations. And they could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products. It goes right along with the mark of the beast. Uh, 
or seize parts of your money. So in essence, it would enable the governments to control your finances. It's, it's, it's like a mirror image of what would be talked about in Revelation 13, 16 through 18 under the mark of the beast. So there are some Americans that are getting concerned and they're looking to diversify their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. Most of the conservative talk show hosts have partnered with Birch Gold Group because it's a very reliable company. When you talk about your, your savings, your, uh, going into gold, uh, and, and uh, you know, you, how do you do that? Where do you start? Well, if you want a physical asset held in a tax shelter retirement account, you can go to birchgold.com forward slash end time to get a free info kit on gold. How do I start? What do I do? If you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer, that's just gathering dust. You've almost forgotten about it, right? Well, Birch Gold can help you convert that into an IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Gold has been currency for thousands of years. So go to birchgold.com slash end time, claim your free info kit on gold, because if digital currency becomes a reality for all, you may want to wish you had some gold and some silver, some physical currency to fall back on. And Birch Gold would be a good place to start, right? So. Michael Oren. Who's Michael Oren? Well, Michael Oren is formerly Israel's ambassador to the United States. He was a Knesset member and deputy minister in the prime minister's office. Published, um, he published an article, and it was in the news source, The Forward. The title of the article was How the Israel-Hamas War could spiral into a global conflagration with the U.S. deeply engaged. This is the question on many people's mind if you're following this stuff, which Doug and Vince and I are post we're following this stuff just daily. I mean, most of everything I'm reading right now is about Israel and Hamas and how it could spiral into a global conflict because of what Iran's aspirations are, and they believe they're rid religiously bound to prepare the world for the coming Mahdi and the 12th Imam, and they need to annihilate Israel and the United States in order for that to happen. This war is not going to go away. The Israel-Hamas situation, you know, is that ever going to go away? Could they wipe out every single Hamas member? Well, then what about the Palestinian Islamic Jihad? What about the Houthis in Yemen? What about Hezbollah in the north, in um, Lebanon? What about all their other terrorist proxies around the world? Iran is never going to stop, folks. That's why I, I thought it might be likely that the United States or Israel may go straight after the head of the snake, which is Iran. So, he says in the article, I pull a few clips about the current conflict and how it could spiral into a, a global situation. He says, not since the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan has Washington undertaken so large of a military buildup. The, he asked the question, are we on the verge of a World War III? The reason that Doug and Vince and I and End Time Ministries is talking so much about World War III is because in my opinion, I believe from the prophecies of the Bible that there are two, the next two prophecies on God's prophetic timeline is World War III and the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement that's going to be signed. So when we see a situation like this in the Middle East region involving 
basically all four nations that house the Euphrates River, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran, then we have to certainly consider, could this be the conflict that leads to World War III? Well, Michael Oren has asked the question as well. He says, my response is that the dangers of escalation are real, but can be mitigated by an unequivocal Amer American commitment to deter Iran and Hezbollah. Because if Iran and Hezbollah comes in, then we're, you're looking at pulling the United States fully into the conflict, and here we go. That could possibly bring Russia and China in, and we're, we're, we're in World War III tomorrow morning. So the world watches the U.S.-Israel alliance and regards it as a barometer of American power. What's America going to do? That's one of the big questions here. A global conflict is, is avoidable, Michael Oren says, if the United States continues to stand steadfastly along Israel, the cornerstone of the Middle East stability. Now this is Michael Oren's opinion, but I wanted to share with you what's going on in the minds of some of the intelligentsia in our world. The USA has already been dragged into the fray. I'm going to read that again. The USA has already been dragged into the fray. You say, well, I don't want to get involved in there. Too late. To augment Israel's defense and deter Hezbollah and Iran, President Joe Biden has dispatched a veritable armada to the eastern Mediterranean and the Persian Gulf. It's escorted by four cruisers, six destroyers, an undisclosed number of submarines, and the U.S. Navy's newest aircraft carriers, the Gerald R. Ford and the Eisenhower, each are bristling with as many as 90 fighter aircraft. Also on board are an array of uh, sea-to-air and sea-to-ground missiles and thousands of U.S. Marines. So the Pentagon has issued a prepare-to-deploy orders to units positioned outside the Middle East and activated, activated anti-missile batteries throughout the region. So the United States is already in on this thing, guys. I mean, not, again, not since the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan has the United States undertaken so large of a military buildup. They understand the gravity of the situation here. So Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, he said no one should take advantage of this moment to escalate to further, uh, the, further any attacks on Israel, or for that matter, attacks on us or our personnel. The problem is they're already doing that. And I'll talk about it here in a minute, but the sheer magnitude of this force that the United States has there, it really puts pressure on the Biden administration to act if the intended deterrence fails. It is, the, it is though, think of it like this. It's as though President Biden has drawn a very big pistol, but he's hesitating to shoot it in the face of brave provocations and that would send a dangerous signal of the fragility to the world, right? They expect the United States to act. Imagine if a Donald Trump was over the military, if he was the commander-in-chief right now instead of a Joe Biden. Now, Israel journalists keep asking Michael Oren, well, do you think that, now he used to be the Israel's ambassador to the United States. They've asked him, will Biden pull the trigger? I mean, because look at all of our, like I talked about, the big military presence we have there. Michael Oren says yes. And it is possible that Joe Biden could be the one that starts World War III. I'm, I'm speculating. 
But we've got to ask this question because look at the situation going on right now in the Middle East. In fact, in some instances, the trigger has already been pulled. The downing of the USS, by the USS Kearney on October 19th of three Israel-bound rockets and many drones fired by Iranian-backed forces in Yemen signified the opening shots of the United States. The United States is officially engaged as we speak in Syria and Iraq. Meanwhile, pro-Iranian militias have fired drones and rockets at U.S. military bases and called on their personnel to evacuate. According to Newsmax, U.S. Middle East troops targeted have been targeted for the 23rd time in two weeks. Now think about that. Our mili the United States military bases in Syria and Iraq have been targeted 23 times in two weeks. A total of four different bases where U.S. troops are stationed in the Middle East have been attacked by these Iran-backed groups. Now, the United States is not going to sit back and let that happen and just keep doing it over and over and over and over. We're going to respond at some point. I mean, don't you think we should? So how then might what is still a localized to some, a localized conflict between Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah in the north, how might that mushroom into a regional or ultimately a global war? That's the question. The question is, will it? Well, one possible scenario would be triggered by, let's say, Israel expanding its ground invasion in Gaza. Number one, they've already done that. Number two, um, with its international legitimacy eroded in many people's eyes, its soldiers are exhausted from long days and nights of brutal fighting, and its ammunition stores strained, Israel would present an attractive target to Hezbollah in Lebanon, right? Now, this is, what is, this is what Iran is wanting to do. It's the whole reason for the ring of fire. You've got to understand that ring of fire, folks. There are many, many, many articles on this ring of fire that over the last several years that Iran has been surrounding Israel. They've got terrorist proxies in Lebanon in the north, Syria, Iraq, of course in Iran. Then you've got um, the terrorist proxies in Janine, which is in the belly of Israel, the West Bank. And then down in the south, which is south of, south of the Saudi Arabia, Yemen, the Houthis. And so they've got this ring of fire surrounding Israel. And then, of course, Hamas in Gaza, which is in the, the southern little strip right down there in southern Israel. So they're all around. They've got them surrounded. So a Shiite terrorist organization operated by Iran, Hezbollah, would be loath, obviously, to let Sunni Hamas take all the credit for singularly battling the Zionist entity, right? Hezbollah's arsenal of 150,000 rockets. Now, what Hamas has done is minuscule compared to what Hezbollah could do, the threat from the north. Hezbollah's arsenal of 100, and, you know, um, there have been thousands of rockets shot from Gaza into Israel. At one point, they shot 2,700 rockets, and the Iron Dome missile defense system, now this is while we were in Israel, the Iron Dome missile defense system shot down all of them but four. 
Well, Hezbollah has an arsenal of 150,000 rockets, and most of them are far bigger, have a longer range, and more accurate than those fired from Gaza. So the real threat, Hamas is certainly a threat, but a much bigger threat is Hezbollah in the north, which is supported by Iran. Hundreds of millions of dollars a year come to Hamas and Hezbollah from Iran every single year, folks. And that has, obviously those 150,000 rockets have not been built for show, right? If Iran gives the green light, the Israeli Defense Forces estimates that Hezbollah could unleash 4,000 rockets per day. So Israel was overwhelmed by the 2,700 that came in. They, they shot down all of them but four. Imagine a 4,000 rockets per day. Oh, it would certainly overwhelm Israel's missile defense system. And believe me, I'm thanking God for that missile defense system because I live, me and my wife were just there in early October, and we lived through three missile attacks. The sirens went off, the, here comes the missiles from Gaza, and several of the missiles fell while we were there. You never know where they're going to land. So you just head for the bomb shelter and start praying. And two of them landed outside Jerusalem while we were in Jerusalem, folks. It gets very real at that point. And so I can only imagine what Israel is going through. Matter of fact, I talked to our, an associate of mine in Jerusalem the other night, and we were asking him what's going on. He said, the sirens are going off, and we're under missile attack as we speak. And they were headed for the bomb shelter. This is happening over and over and over and over. My class that I normally teach on Thursday mornings, the people are totally afraid to, to travel at night. Uh, because of things happening in Jerusalem and things you're not necessarily hearing in the news. So the tactical danger of Hamas would quickly be surpassed by the strategic threat of Hezbollah. And the United States would certainly have to step in. Matter of fact, we've already warned Iran and Hezbollah. Don't, don't, you guys aren't, don't, don't increase what you're doing. Even though they have been firing missiles and things, even anti-tank missiles into Israel. So the intervention by the United States would be, let's say, strictly defensive. But it could get offensive very quickly. And, that, you know, shooting down Hezbollah rockets and drones. But the U.S. bases throughout the region, along with the Navy strike force in the sea, uh, in the Mediterranean, they would be exposed and possibly targeted. And again, this is a hypothetical situation, but look at what's going on over there. I laid out the situation yesterday of why Iran is doing what it is. They're trying to rid the world of Israel and the United States of America. They're preparing the way for the Mahdi, their 12th Imam. So they're, they're, they're taking advantage of the situation here. Now they think they've got Israel on the run. They've got them engaged down in the Middle East, in the Gaza Strip. Their tanks are down there, and they're, they're, maybe they're just waiting for a certain time to the point where they're really going to launch that barrage of rockets from Hezbollah. I hope it doesn't happen, but I know World War III is coming, and this certainly could lead to that conflict. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment 
of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 end time. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. You know, everyone, even, even the thought of a, another world war, I mean, I'm, I'm 55 years old. I was born in 68. I've never lived through a world war situation. So I, I really don't understand the gravity of it. However, having tracked and studied most of this for years now, I can, I, I can kind of get a sense of not necessarily the war scenario, but the the devastation and, and, and you know, uh, well, we just got a taste of it with Hamas and what happened um, on October 7th with, you know, uh, ended up being 1,400 people slaughtered and, and, you know, I mean, just war is not of God. War is not of God. And I don't want it, I, I really don't even like talking about it because it's, it's horrific. I mean, you're talking, the Bible says Revelation 9, 13 through 21, there's going to be one third of the world's population destroyed in this next war. I, you know, it's horrific. I'm not talking about it just to sensationalize things. I don't like sensationalism. I like teaching and talking about things that I can prove and document. And so, but the Bible says this war is going to happen. I mean, that's all the documentation I need. World War III is coming. And in my opinion, it's, it's the next thing to occur on God's prophetic timeline. I, I certainly can't see a, a peace agreement getting signed in the Middle East. Then we kick off into World War III. It looks like, now again, this is my opinion, because I can't prove scripturally which one happens first. But in my opinion, the war would happen, then we would, the, the international community would look at Israel and say, you guys are going to sign a peace agreement whether you want to or not and we start the final seven years. We'll have to see how all that plays out. But I know those two are the next things to be fulfilled on God's prophetic time plot. Everything else that is supposed to have happened up to this point has happened in great detail because God knows the end from the beginning and he laid the timeline out for us in the Bible. And we've been following these events for years. The next two, World War III and the peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. Now, in looking at this current situation, you know, with the United States, if, if, if Hezbollah and Iran was to come in, let's say they, thought that they saw this as their last great uh, chance to rid the world of Israel and then get to the United States. Let's say they came in. 
Well, I mean, one major attack claiming U.S. casualties, that would certainly elicit a large-scale military response against Hezbollah as well as its Iranian masters, wouldn't it? I mean, Washington and Tehran could find themselves in a de facto state of war. So, and again, I, I'm giving a hypothetical. I, I, I hope this doesn't happen, and it, it could all go away tomorrow, which I highly, highly doubt, knowing, that, knowing Iran's aspirations. So the battle could possibly be confined to the Middle East? That's purely speculation. However, imagine if the United States and Israel and Iran, and, and they get embroiled in this situation in the Middle East. Well, it, is it possible that Russia could then take advantage of Washington's preoccupation with Iran and Hezbollah to mount a major counteroffensive in Ukraine and then consider could the what do you think Chinese who wants to take Taiwan imagine them if Russia was doing that if it, uh, the United States was embroiled in a situation in the Middle East and then Chinese they might seize the opportunity to launch their long anticipated invasion of Taiwan again it's hypothetical but I'm showing you how it could spiral this What's going on with Israel Hamas could spiral into a global situation. And I know that World War III is coming. I wish it wasn't, but it's coming. And so my main message would be for everybody, be ready to go. I, it, World War III would most likely, highly likely, reach the shores of the United States. We, we're involved in everything going on in the world. Do you think we're going to get by world with World War III without being with uh, uh, unscathed, it's highly unlikely. So what should we be doing? Uh, going and burying ourselves in a cave in Colorado? No. We should be preparing mentally, physically, and spiritually for the times just ahead, spiritually for eternity. Be born again. Be ready to meet the Lord. Should he come back tomorrow? He could come back tomorrow for any one of us, couldn't he? Nobody's promised tomorrow. So I've got to be ready to meet the Lord today. That's number one. When Nicodemus came to Jesus in John 3, Jesus, he didn't talk about the world situation, the Romans ruling Jerusalem. He didn't, all he said was, Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Well, that's my message to you today. Now, we can talk about birch gold and everything else and diversifying your funds and all that. We can talk about all that. That's secondary compared to, are you born again? Now, beyond that, I said you need to prepare mentally and physically for the times just ahead, but most importantly, spiritually for eternity. Okay? Now, with that said, how can I prepare physically? Well, let's talk about Ready Pantry real quick. Uh, because it's not, it, there's nothing wrong. I've had people say, is it wrong to prepare to store up some food? I'm like, why would that be wrong? I mean, I've got some of the stuff. I've, I've, I've stored up because I was here when COVID hit and the grocery stores were wiped empty. It's crazy. So, for any type of catastrophe, I, I'm trying to take care of my family. And so, you know, we want to believe that the grocery stores are always going to be there. But as you've seen a few years ago, supply, change, supply chains could just quickly collapse. Food supplies could diminish. With what they're doing to the farmers and all these different things, trying to, to control them and put many of them out of business, you got to pray for the best and prepare for the worst, right? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have an affordable 
three-month emergency supply of food or even a six months or a year. It's, it's just a kind of a peace of mind. So there is. Readypantry.com forward slash end time offers amazing 25-year shelf food. They got all kinds of stuff. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even desserts. And of course, it's the peace of mind knowing you have an emergency supply of food ready for anything. Get you a water filter. If I have to, I'll go down to the creek here and get me some water if the city shuts off the water. I don't know what all's gonna happen. I mean, think about it. Uh, power outage, hurricanes, um, uh, grid collapses, rolling blackouts, even potentially a war reaching our shores. The list goes on and on. Ready Pantry is an American-based company with all the products sourced here in America. You're not going to be disappointed. I mean, many long-term food storage companies, they are selling stuff that's been on the warehouse shelves for years and years and years. Ready Pantry, I know the guys. I talked to the guy the other day. He was here in our studios. They deliver the freshest products that was packaged within just the last couple months, okay? That's very, very important. And that's, that's, they do that just before delivering it to your home. They offer discounts of up to 20% off for three to 12 month supplies. Go to readypantry.com slash end time and use code end time, save an additional percent, uh, 10% off on your order, plus free shipping on all orders. Stock your pantry also with these buy now Pay later options, that's available at checkout by going to readypantry.com slash end time. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I've got some of it and um, because I want, you know, it's, it's just for my family at any time. If the, if these supply chains are really kind of the thing that kind of drives me nuts. And uh, I know some churches that are got some church buildings going on and they said, well, because and I'm like, Why? I just talked to, my son-in-law last night, and he was saying that because of some of the supply chain issues, they're having problems finishing their church building. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. These supply chain, COVID happened years ago, but we still got supply chain issues. Well, that could happen to food in the future. So I want to make sure I got something in the, in the, in the, uh, as a backup. Okay. Now, the question I'm getting is, about Islam, because there's this rise in the green spirit, Islam in the earth. You know, prophecies foretell this uprising that's happening right now, the Islamic spirit, just prior to the Great Tribulation. And we're watching the ongoing of that fulfillment of prophecy right now. So the question on many people's mind is, will Islam rule the world? A lot of people are asking that, man, it's like they're taking over Europe and now they're coming into the United States or they've actually been here in the United States for years. And, you know, there's this uprising in the Middle East. And I mean, they're just, it's just cropping up everywhere. The colleges are supporting it. And I mean, it's just this rise of the green spirit. And these, the developments in the Middle East, people are saying, will Islam rule the world as it claims it will? I mean, that's their goal to rule the world. So the question is, will they? Will the Antichrist be a Muslim? So, number one, prophecies do foretell an uprising of the final green horse, the Islamic, the green Islamic spirit, just prior to the Great Tribulation. Folks, this stuff is all wrapping up. I'm not sitting here scratching my head going, man, let me see. I wonder if we're in the end time. you got to be kidding me. The green spirit is rising right now. It's the final spirit of the four horsemen. White, 
Catholicism, red, the red horse, uh, capital, uh, communism, socialism, the black horse, capitalism, the final one that rises just prior to the great tribulation and the wrapping of this thing up is the green spirit. Look at what's going on in our earth today. God knows the end from the beginning. He gave us all this stuff to, to know the times and the seasons and what we should be doing to prepare for his soon return. You know, exactly how far from the time that we are from the beginning of the, of the Great Tribulation, I can't tell you that for sure. But it can't be too far in the near future. Um, number two, the end, and this is, what I wanna, this is one of the points I want to stress in all of this. We ask the question, will Islam rule the world? Look at the rising. Look at what's going on around the world. Here's the deal. The end time world government will not be Islamic. Okay? And, you know, in order to answer this question, will Islam rule the world, we need to take a look at what the world will look like right before the second coming and right before the Battle of Armageddon. And we're given a fabulous snapshot of this in Revelation chapter 17. It starts with verse number one. And it says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, talked with me, saying, Come, come hither, John. I will show you, uh, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have, have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the, with the um, wind of her fornication. So, now, remember this is all symbolic language, okay? So, the Bible says in uh, Revelation 17, 3, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit on a scarlet-colored beast full of heads of the name of blasphemy, uh, having seven heads and ten horns. So look at this image of Revelation chapter 17. We've got a seven-headed, ten-horned beast, and we have a harlot riding on the back of the beast. Now, again, this is symbolic, obviously. So you're going to find out that this is the picture of the world government in alliance with the false religious system that will be in place and functioning just prior to the Battle of Armageddon and just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Well, if you go back four chapters to chapter Revelation 13, you see the same seven-headed, ten-horned beast, only with more information. And this is talking about the one world government. Well, what's the woman that sits on the back of that beast? What's the woman symbolize that is in alliance with this world governing body in the Antichrist? Well, we'll get to that on the back side of the break here, but I want to make sure you understand what the world looks like and that Islam will not rule the world in the end time. It's on a lot of people's mind right now. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
end time is not going anywhere. As a viewer of the End Time Show, you're getting early access to Christmas deals starting right now. Do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays? What experiences and gifts would you receive this year? Well, the atmosphere at End Time is nearly the same. We're excited because these deals are now available through the end of 2023. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives, and that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2023, you can get deals like a special VIP group video call with Dave Robbins when you get Understanding the End Time. End Time Plus subscription for 50% off, or my personal favorite, a $10 and under sale for almost 100 different products featuring Irvin Baxter, Dave Robbins, and more. Go to endtime.com slash deals for a full catalog of items. You can also call 800-END-TIME. Hurry, supplies are limited. Go to endtime.com slash deals today. everybody so what's the state of the world going to be just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ the Battle of Armageddon will this uprise of the green spirit the green horse does that mean that Islam's going to rule the world in the end time I mean that's their goal to prepare the global stage for the coming of the Mahdi and the 12th Imam well the fact of the matter is no their Islam will not rule the world let's look at Revelation chapter 13 verse 1. John said, he's seeing a vision from God, and he says, I stood upon the sand of the sea, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, and having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, Germany. Feet is the feet of the bear, Russia. Mouth is the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon, or Satan, gave it its seat, power, and its great authority. So there's a lot of detail here, right? It doesn't say anything in Revelation 17 about the leopard, the lion, the bear, and the ten-horned kingdom. But it does say the ten horns. It does say the seven heads. But it, it's, a, it's a very quick, quick general description, but it's obviously the same thing. It's the, in Revelation 17, it's the end-time world governing body, a federalization of nations, and they're all European nations. Now, if it said Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran then I would say, yeah, probably good, pretty good, um, pretty highly likely that it could be Islam that rules the world, but it's not. It's European-based. And in this passage in Revelation 13, it explicitly states that this beast, a beast in Bible prophecy, symbolizes the, a, a nation or a kingdom, and this beast would devour the whole earth. The Bible says the whole world wonders after the beast. It's going to be a world-governing body. So if, if you don't understand this, you cannot see what the world is going to look like at the time of the end, right before the second coming. However, if we go back to the Old Testament in <clears throat> Daniel chapter 7, it gives more details. And in Daniel, there's, there's four beasts. It says in that passage, <clears throat> the fourth beast is to be the fourth kingdom. So it's very clear that these beasts symbolize kingdoms. Like I said before, the, the lion is Great Britain, the bear is Russia, and 
The leopard is Germany. The ten horns is the European Union. So God's talking about nations and kingdoms and uh, that it will be on the earth at the time of his second coming. So the lion obviously had eagle's wings. There's a major nation today, recognized symbol is the eagle. You know it well, it's on the back of your dollar bill. The United States of America is the eagle. The eagle is depicted as coming out of the lion. Where did the United States of America come from? Our mother country is Great Britain, of course. It even states in the prophecy that uh, Daniel watched the eagle's wings were plucked. And then, of course, the leopard is Germany and the ten-horned beast is the European Union. So these are listed, listed as separate beasts in Daniel 7. When you go to Revelation 13, they merged into the New World Order through the process um, of the, uh, experiencing the globalization. And we're moving into global governance right now, which is just another way of saying world government. And we're moving into it um, right now, and these powers are the powers that are going to make up the end-time world governing body. Not the United States, but the other European entities. It's going to be a European-centered world government. It's going to be Great Britain, Russia, Germany, the powers of Europe. And so, <clears throat> let's go back to Revelation 17. That's where we began. It's a snapshot of the world as it will be just prior to the second coming. You got the beast, which is the world governing body, but there's something else about the beast that we're told in Revelation 17. It says the beast is a scarlet colored beast. Well, scarlet is red. We've already discovered that uh, in other prophecies that the red horse in uh, Revelation 6 is socialism or communism, the spirit, the ideology controlling the thought processes of mankind in the end time. So it's a teaching us that the government of the Antichrist is going to be a socialistic government. Now, we should already know that because in the book of <clears throat> Revelation chapter 13, it's describing that during this time, every person will have a mark or a number without which they're going to be, they're going to be unable to buy or sell. They can't participate in society. So we're going to be in a totally economically controlled society. There's going to be an economic sanctioning system put in place. That's why I talk about the central bank digital currencies all the time. <clears throat> so we know that all of these powers are going to go together, and yet they will be socialistic in their nature. Well, we've got one more very important question. Go back to Revelation 17 again. There's this harlot riding on the back of the world governing beast. What in the world does that mean? Well, it's referring to the end-time world religious system. The Bible teaches along with the Antichrist, there's going to be a religious leader on the earth, and he's called in the scriptures the false prophet. Go to um, Revelation 19.20. So, the false prophet, and we can prove this, is going to be the world's most famous Christian. Or I should say, he will say he's a Christian. Let's say that. And he's going to lead the most most of Christianity straight into the arms of the Antichrist and his one world government. And it's going to be one of the most massive deceptions in the history of the world. Remember, when, they, when the disciples in Matthew 24, they asked Jesus, what's going to be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? The first words out of his mouth were, take heed that no man deceives you, for many will come in my name and deceive many. They're going to say they're a Christian, but they're going to be teaching a deceptive message. Jesus warned us about that in the end time, right? The time we're living in right now, there will be people that look like Christians and they've got Christian over the door of their church, but it does not mean they're teaching the full truth. 
You better know what you're being taught. You better understand the Bible, and you better be connected to a God-fearing, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that will teach you the truth without fear or favor, because that's what's going to get you to heaven. The Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You've got to have a daily um, diet of prayer and study of the Word of God. Now, let's continue on with this question. What happens to Islam, right? I mean, it's a question because of the rise of the green spirit in the earth today. If the world government at the time of the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist, if it's dominated by Europe, by um, the nations of Germany and Great Britain, and the Bible says dominion was given to the leopard, by Russia, by the ten nations of the European Union. Notice I'm not talking about BRICS. I'm talking about European-centered world government. If that's true, and if the dominant religion is this woman in coalition with the European Union, then what happened to Islam? Well, there are people saying that Islam's going to rule the world. That I, I proved to you on yesterday's program that it is certainly their aspirations, their goal, their dreams. They believe they're religiously called by their God to prepare the world for the return of their Mahdi, their 12th Imam. Many people are believing that the Antichrist is going to be Islamic. And there's a lot of fear in people's hearts. Well, <clears throat> there should be fear in the hearts, but probably not towards Islam, but towards this apostate religion, at least uh, fearing because of the people that will be lost because of it. The Bible says God has not given us a, spear, a, fear, a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. But the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You should have a reverence for the things of God. A society is trying to drive God out of, our, out of our mindset and off of our radar and out of our society. We cannot let him do that. That's why it's a, a, a breath of fresh air with Mike Johnson. Um, if he is all that he says he is, becoming the Speaker of the House, and they ask him, what's your worldview? And he said, you want to know my worldview? Grab a Bible. What do I think about this topic or that topic? He said, it's all right there. It'll tell you what I believe. That is certainly a breath of fresh air in Washington, D.C. And so, wow, need to do some programming on that. Probably jump into that next week. So, we can prove scripturally the end-time world government and world religion will be European-centered, not Islamic. So if Islam is not going to rule the world, then what's happened to it? Well, because it seems like it's such this formidable force right now, we've got to ask the question. But there's another prophecy in, about Islam in Revelation 9, verse 13. Now let's go there. Uh, the Bible says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared, were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay a third part of men. And the number of the army, the horsemen, were 200,000, 1,000, or 200 million, and I heard the number of them. So when you look at this passage here, it says to kill a third part of men. The third part of mankind is what most translations say. And I realize that here I was looking at a, if you look at the scripture, it's talking about a prophecy of the greatest world war the world has ever known or ever will know. World War II killed just over 52 million. This war, one-third of, one -third of uh, what, eight billion now? You're looking at 2.7 to 2.8 billion. 
It's, it's going to be over 40 times World War II. And yet it's there in the Bible. It's prophesied. There's no chance that it will not happen. But I want you to notice, very, very, it's very important here. Notice that this war is going to begin from the Euphrates River region. Now, folks, all four nations that house the Euphrates River are involved in this current conflict. Turkey supports Hamas. Iran supports Hamas, Hezbollah, their terrorist factions. They've got, they're shooting uh, uh, the our military forces, the United States military forces in Iraq and Syria have been attacked 23 times over the last two weeks. So the notice this war begins from the Euphrates River. We know two things. A war is coming. It's going to kill one out of every third person on the planet. And the war comes from the beginning of, from the Euphrates River region. So if you were to look at a map, the Euphrates is housed in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. So it lets us know that the, the Turkey, Syria, and Iraq, and Iran are almost 100% controlled by the Islamic faction on the planet. So what happens? The Bible says there's a war coming that's going to wipe out one-third of the world's population. Is it possible that the majority of the Islamic faction on the planet... Now, I know Turkey and Syria will be here according to Ezekiel 38 to come again, down against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. But is it possible that it, the Islamic faction could be weakened to such a point that they're a non-factor on the world stage? It's possible. The war, the war, World War III emanates from that region right there. And look at the scenario I laid out earlier in the program. Could this current conflict escalate into a global war? It certainly could. It's something that we need to consider and I wanted to bring it before you today because the end time world government will not be Islamic. It's going to be a European centered world governing body. What has happened to Islam? It is possible that their um, presence on the global stage has been greatly diminished in this World War III scenario. We'll have to see what happens. God bless.